You're listening to Access and Expand, conversations that offer you access to information that expands your mind. I'm your host, Tiffany Carden. We are here in Hurley, New York, mm. at Maha Rose North, and David Elliott's here. You just met him. Yeah. Isn't he awesome? It's nice. Real right? nice guy. And this property is beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot of room. I know, right? So mm-hmm. many trees. Did you see the hammock? There's a hammock behind you. What? Or I think that's a hammock. It's just beautiful. Oh. I know I'm trying not to look around when I talk. Yeah. Yeah, so we are here. We drove up to Hurley. I am honored beyond any recognition, right? When, when I got the word that David was going to uh, let me interview him. Do you remember what I did at the table? Yeah. What? Uh, he started crying at the dinner table. <laughs> this is literally like the highlight of my life, right? And here mm-hmm. he is. So I'll uh, you pause it and we'll get all set up. Yep. All right. So we are here with David Elliott. I'm ear to ear. So David Elliott, for those of you who don't know, if you've listened to my podcast, clearly you know David Elliott is a breathwork healer. He's an author. He's a writer. Well, an author is a writer. See, I'm so nervous. Um, and um, I just did some more training with you this weekend and asked to have you come on and do this interview. And then everything came up for me, right? Like all the imposter syndrome. So yeah. when interviewing my teacher is amazing. So thank you. Mm. So, <laughs> I think I need to ground some more. Yeah. So um, for those of you who um, don't know David, Elliot has written two books. And he does brother killer training and retreats. And so how did you find this? Well, <clears throat> I didn't find it because I wasn't looking for it. That's why the first book was called The Reluctant Healer. It, it apparently was looking for me, <clears throat> found me, and didn't let go of me. So eventually I had to give in to something way bigger than myself and just see where it was going to take me. So, you know, path of least resistance when something the universe has determined that you're going to do. um, And if it's flowing and easy, you, I finally realized might as well do this because it's beating my door down and the thing I didn't want to give up for it was my acting career but as I think I wrote in one of the books you know it seemed that I wanted an acting career more than it (laughs) wanted me and uh, yeah you finally go I can just uh, open the door and this work people are looking for me Uh, I never made a business card if I hadn't written The Reluctant Healer. Who knows if I would have even done a website, certainly back in the day. But at that point, you know, I had to do a website. And so, um, I don't know. Again, if I hadn't written the books and hadn't done a website, I may still be doing healing work because, as I say, word of mouth is to me the best form of marketing and when people are telling other people telling their family members their friends and it's spreading organically you know you don't have to be so focused on how many 
you know, Instagram followers you have or whatever that is, you don't have to live um, promoting so much. And, you know, occasionally people come along and want to give me advice about, <clears throat> oh, why don't we help you get your products out and mass, you know, whatever. <laughs> we know people in China. I go, well... <laughs> No, you don't get it. I have an MBA degree with a specialization in marketing. <laughs> I don't exactly use that, but I know how to do business. Um, for me, <clears throat> this work is more about my whole life. It isn't so much, you know, focused on the business aspect. And I know how to do business too. So I would only do whatever I'm going to do, you know, like I talk about in the classes in a clean business sort of way but not, you know, focused from a business standpoint. Yeah, I feel like um, everything that you do is so, and I use this word all the time, and it almost feels overused, but it's really the truth. So aligned, like, um, you talked about where you got, who grades your sweet grass and where you got it, mm -hmm. which you can share, and your sage plants, right? Do you want to talk about that? Because well, I think that's so special. I mean... Some Native American folks do the sweetgrass, and I get it from a friend who's no longer here on the planet, but still get it from <clears throat> his people. Um, sage, I mean, Mother Nature is the garden for that. I mean, I do have a ranch in New Mexico where we <clears throat> have hundreds of acres of a different type of sage, and we do use some of that too. But the white California sage literally comes from a place <clears throat> I was shown about 30 years ago, um, you know, with these white glowing plants on the mountainside way back in the middle of nowhere. And I have, you know, somewhat of a good relationship with these plants, I believe. I talk to them, I bring them offerings. You know, the best sage is also the sage that's suffered the most <clears throat> in the driest, most droughty years. So for me, you know, I like to always acknowledge the, the journey the plants have gone on to kind of manifest the strongest oil content in the leaves, you know, so you can smell that when you're burning it. And to me, it's... Um, you know, a bit more about how it's harvested consciously and, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a whole dynamic with it, but I could do a whole podcast on <clears throat> sage and the relationship with it. And, um, so we could, yeah, because we could. no, yeah. I'm serious because, you know, um, the whole thing with the Palo Santo right. just being, it's almost like I don't even know what's happening, right? They're just taking trees down. It's not being taken care of. And I love, I heard this. I don't know if I heard it from Aaron Telford, who was, did my healer training one. Um, but there was something about you saw the plant dying. You started to water it, the sage. Right. I don't even use sage bundles anymore. I just, I buy your bag right. and I use, a, and I just feel like it's so sacred when you have a relationship to the plant that's honoring the life of the plant. Yeah. So. Well, <clears throat> this area where I do gather the sage, <clears throat> I do, um, you know, kind of keep a connection to these plants. And ironically, a couple of years ago, <clears throat> this whole mountain burned 
Um, but, and I have sage going back, sage seeds 20 years. That, that's my exchange uh, with the plants besides a little watering and gifting um, that I would spread the seeds, <clears throat> you know, if the plants were eradicated. And the mm -hmm. truth is the plants came back the next spring really? even better on their own. I mean, there's enough, you know, there's always enough seed in the ground. Sometimes fire is necessary just to <clears throat> clean up certain things. And uh, um, it didn't, it didn't uh, by any stretch eradicate the sage the fire didn't yeah. so um but you know i'm keeping an eye on it and for me it, again even the resource of sage because much of it's growing in national forest land <clears throat> um it, it, i do like to make it available for the healers um that i've trained um and then i take that money and donate it to this give it to this nonprofit i've started so you have a nonprofit. Yeah. Do you yeah. talk about that? Yeah, it's on the website. I talk about it. I've written about it. It's called the Creative Healing Arts Arts Center. Yeah. And um, and its whole focus is about you know bringing more consciousness to Mother Earth and the ways that humans end up healing in accelerated ways by putting their focus out on something bigger than themselves so you know when people say i want to form a deeper relationship with mother earth i usually the first couple of years just say pick up trash especially if they're living in the cities and um you know at a certain point they usually get tired of that response and i'll tell them that for another six months or a year and then when they want to <clears throat> start to go a little deeper i may by then start to notice they're having these interactions with coyote and they're yeah. like, oh, how can I deepen some exchange and awareness with coyote? And I'm like, well, there's rescue places. <clears throat> Years ago, I would, for a while, seem to see a lot of dead coyotes on the road. I would safely find a place to park off the road and then go back and you know california side roads <clears throat> and get the coyotes off the street i wouldn't necessarily bury them i would just drag them off under you know 25 feet 30 feet away from the road or same way with crows or other animals so that another animal doesn't get hit you know eating on them and you know nature recycles its own pretty fast so, you know, there's lots of ways we can deepen our connections to things. Um, and, um, you know, other people have said, hey, yeah, there's rescue places. Go make a donation to a coyote rescue that relocates them and takes them out away, even though they'll probably come back to be closer to yeah. humans again because we're easy, consistent food sources for them. How did it feel to take them off the road? Like, to because it's I feel like there's a, it's a decision, and then with that decision to actually be, I'm assuming you're barehanded. I don't know, but maybe a blanket. But you're holding the body of an animal that yeah. had, you could have a really strong connection to, and I feel like, I, is that really moving? Uh, well, you know, I grew up 
on a farm with <clears throat> animals. So for me, moving animals isn't alive or dead, isn't a big deal. <clears throat> um, but typically if I was driving down the road and there was one I wanted to help get off the road, I probably wouldn't pick it up and hold it in my arms. I'd probably grab it by a foot <laughs> and drag it off and get That's it off so the cool. road. <laughs> You know, it depends on how it smells. You know, if it's not smelling too good, I'm probably not going to, you know, necessarily uh, hang out with it too much. But, you know, literally just to give it a little bit of consciousness and awareness that, hey, you know, get you off the road here. Um, you know, the times where I've mentioned in particular where I've, because um, crows and ravens, they're a different they're even a different sort of clannish creature. And <clears throat> I remember once when I was living in Burbank, California, it was at 5.30 in the morning and it was squawking. And I was like, what is going on? And I went outside and a crow <clears throat> had got, gotten hit in the road. And, you know, a busy Hollywood Way uh, road that runs through Burbank. And so I just went out in the road and... <clears throat> got the crow and put it under a tree just you know still in the town of you know 30 feet off the road um and from that day on crows would just be and they to this day still hang out around me around that same time it was my crow cycle i guess um there i, I was pulling into my garage and the same location and I saw this crow in the alley and this cat creeping up behind it like it was just about to pounce and so I pulled in real quick and <clears throat> shooed the cat away and the crow I realized it was as big as a you know a full-size one but it was a young one and so I I was busy I was going somewhere in a hurry so I just put it up on top of my garage meanwhile there were 20, 30 squawking crows all around. And then I happened to look out the, <clears throat> the window a couple times. I think I had a phone session, had to get on it. And, and I saw these crows there on top of the roof with it flapping their wings. And, you know, it was probably had been learning to fly. Oh. And so eventually it flew enough to get to the top of this telephone pole. And then... You know, eventually it got quiet, and I figure it flew on. So after those two incidences, which were, you know, within a few weeks of each other, yeah, that created a 25-year, you know, very close connection to crows. And then in New Mexico, I have, you know, lots of families of ravens that live on my property, and they're very protective kind of guardians and they'll raise usually every memorial day their babies will fly um so i've watched that for years yeah um so in terms of animals because i'm really interested in spirit animals mm -hmm. and the energy that comes with that i have almost like a i shouldn't say an unhealthy fear because and or a an unhealthy unfear what I like mm -hmm. I don't necessarily feel afraid sometimes mm -hmm. and people say I shouldn't and I'm wondering because I feel like I can connect but yeah. I don't know that that's the truth like right. I'm not really necessarily trusting it do you feel that do you feel well, like as far as nature yeah. or certain animals 
Well, it's reading each situation. So I know, you know, since I was raised taking care of animals, I know, you know, again, knocking on wood a little bit, but how to read the temperament and kind of the position of what's going on with the animals. So if they're in pain, I'm probably not going to crowd them. (laughs) If it seems like they're needing something, you know, I'll read that if they're, predatory animals you know I'm I'm, it's always gonna I'm never gonna be super trusting of a coyote that's coming too close you know a few times I've had some interactions with the wolf you know I'm not going to be too I mean I had a half wolf growing up so I have a a strong connection with wolves but I also know I'm gonna give them a lot of respect there's, you know, same with the rattlesnake. I'm not going to yeah. get too close. I'm not going to overestimate my comfort level <clears throat> with an animal that can teach you a hard lesson. So, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but I have had to maneuver around rattlesnakes many times. I don't try to kill them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> usually if I need them to move along, if we have a whole bunch of people on a hike in Sedona and one's laying across the road or the hiking trail sunning, you know, I usually, <clears throat> this is what I learned on mountain bikes, rather than try to skirt past them, I'll just take a little water sling on them spray on them Uh and then the cold water or dampness causes them because they're soaking up the sun usually they'll move on oh that's pretty quickly so yeah i don't know that i've never read that written as by any snake experts but it always has worked for me yeah so you know i'm gonna always be respectful of every animal's Mm -hmm. you know um, abilities to hurt or teach some painful lessons um, and you know more times than not if they're animals in the wild and they're coming closer usually it's about food they're hungry they would like an easy handout and so I'll kind of look at <clears throat> what they are who they are um, if I have some food that they can smell and I know they want maybe I'll leave some for them but I won't immediately you know I won't be trying to make a pet out no, of a no. wild animal <laughs> so you have a bull snake is that in at New Mexico well I, yeah, there's yeah on the properties out there <clears throat> yeah there's bull snakes that live around which you know they're they help keep <clears throat> you know, certain things in balance. So mm-hmm. they're going to be hunting the little mice and the bull snakes do have a taste for birds. <clears throat> so especially baby birds at a certain time of the year when the babies are in the nest, they're going to get up and climb on the trees. And so, <clears throat> you know, I don't try to uh, interfere too much with what they're doing. I know that they've chosen to live around us, close to us. They're not, they can act like they're a rattlesnake and act like they're ferocious. Really? But, oh yeah, they can make a sound that can sound even oh. like a rattler and they kind of even in some instances look like a rattlesnake with their markings. Wow. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, by and large they're fairly peaceful. They're not venomous or, you know, harmful to, to 
to the best of my knowledge, to humans. Although, you know, if they chose to bite you, it probably wouldn't feel that good. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're not aggressive from a venomous standpoint. So. Yeah, so you, and I just had to ask that because mm-hmm. um, I do better with animals than humans, generally. Right. <laughs> and um, I feel more connected to that space. Uh-huh. So I just wanted your... Because I think you you said a lot about it in pieces, and I just wanted to really feel into it. Right. Um, you offer retreats and you offer trainings. Mm-hmm. So, and before we get into all the where, uh-huh. is that yeah? Um, how did you go from learning breathwork from Tim, mm-hmm. or him re- reminding mm-hmm. you of it, right, to where you are now? Like, how did you find that path? <clears throat> well, I mean, that's a uh, that's. Yeah, that's a very long and winding road. But uh, in the beginning, you know, when he came around, of course, people had already been seeking me out, grabbing me, telling me I was a healer. I didn't know what they were talking about. And, you know, when he came, well, he came, I met him because another close friend that I trusted um, called me and, and told me I needed to meet him. She had an intuition about it. And... And so when I did, he acted like, you know, he's like, hello, brother, we meet again. I kind of looked at him and he says, I've known you many lifetimes. You're a healer. I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> but, but he was using this word that all these people that had been coming to me were saying, you're a healer. You're, you know, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So he was kind of answering some things. And <clears throat> simultaneously at that same time, my clear audience, my awarenesses had blasted wide open, at least somewhat enhanced, I think, because I was going through a big relationship breakup. And <clears throat> I would hear this girl's thoughts. I could, we would, I would experience her dreams at night. Wow. Um, which was, yeah, somewhat troubling. Um, and, um, and so, you know, he's like, you're a clear audience. You hear the answer to people's questions before they ask the question, mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> and then he's then he told me, you know, do you want to experience this meditation? You taught it to me in India 2,000 some odd years ago. By the time he said that, I was rolling, laughing so hard, <laughs> thinking this guy is a nut. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But I also... I mean, again, this was close to 30 years ago. I knew I had agreed to pay him $100 for a healing session. So I'm like, (laughs) well, I guess I better get my money's worth. And so I laid down to do the breathing with him. And, um, yeah, within a few minutes, my whole body was pulsing and vibrating with energy. I pretty much forgot everything he said, that he was even in the room. Mm -hmm. You know, he... There was another guy in the room with him who was kind of working pretty deeply into my body, my feet, and, you know, I, I was painful, but I didn't know what was happening, and I was being transported to this other place, like a mountaintop, mm. with these elder be- beings around this fire. And anyway, it was very profound, and um, at the end of it, he's like, Hey, I'm going to be doing something in Sedona at the end of the month. If you want to come out, you're welcome. You know, I was like, oh, I'll think about it and 
kind of stumbled down these stairs and I'm, he's like be careful and I'm like I'm fine and yeah I was like pretty expanded on oxygen and mm. um, so you know <clears throat> that was the beginning I didn't you know really have any intention it took a couple of years I mean he kept trying because he would come to LA once a month after that and there would be 20, 30 people <clears throat> who had been collecting um, and so I would have a group set up for him, private sessions. A lot of these people were actors or people in the entertainment business that I was meeting and um, you know it was this whole thing that just happened over the course of these couple of years and then every month or two we'd I'd take a group of people out to Sedona um, and he would have a little, you know, retreat and, you know, he would be like, you gotta, you need to work with these people in between I, when I come to LA, just do some private sessions with them. And I'm like, I mean, he, he never, he never taught me <clears throat> to do anything. Yeah. You just kind of Again, I may have learned more about what not to do with him <laughs> than what to do because I could see things that worked and didn't work. He, he was very fly by the seat of your pants. He did tend to use the breath, mm. and that's about it as far as what I <clears throat> kind of use as tools now. But, you know, as I talk about in the healer training classes, when I was doing that first breathing session, I did, well, when I went into the room, I had noticed there was an ironing board and some shirts there, but I totally forgot about it, and the, the guy that was helping him in the room called me about a week later and said, how, that, how was that session? I said, oh, man, it was great. What was that ceremony Tim <laughs> was doing over me? You know, that, you know, those sprays and, you know... I could smell smoke and I was on this mountaintop with these elders and this guy just had a big laugh and he was rolling laughing and he's like he wasn't doing this I mean he kind of started to say that he said he was ironing his shirts and that was just the spray starch and the iron he was spraying you know and then it kind of all it didn't like fade away just for me. I was like, wow. So therefore, I was like, well, sprays need to be part of those sessions and mm -hmm. some smoke, if it's from sage or Palo Santo or sweet grass, can really, you know, enhance the sense memory mm -hmm. kind of coming from the actor world of, of maybe even prior lifetimes. And um, so I, I started. You know, very slowly, I think, you know, after a while, I, I would see a person or two in between when he would come to L.A. or we would go to Sedona. And um, um, then when he, he died about two years after I met him, <clears throat> then there was like hundreds of people that just kind of turned back and mm -hmm. said, we want you to work with us. We like Tim, but we know we were really sent to come and work with you, so you have to help us. And, you know, I was, again, very reluctant about it, but the <clears throat> amount of sessions I was doing started going up significantly to the point <clears throat> of being 
for a while, 40 plus sessions a week. And, uh, <clears throat> and then so many of those people started asking me, will you please do some recordings or something where we could do this on our own? Um, of course, this was back in the day of cassette tapes and boom boxes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so, um, so, you know, eventually it took a, a good while on that because <clears throat> those same people that were wanting me to do recordings were also wanting me to uh, do groups at their houses. And finally, you know, one girl was very, very, very persistent. She said, look, all you got to do is show up <clears throat> with your tape and boombox, I'll do everything else, you know, I'll organize people, collect the money, you know, you, it's going to, you know, be whatever, be an hour or two out of your life. And so I agreed to do that. When I did, I, I said to the universe, I'll only do this if I'm having fun. Um, <clears throat> several more people, pretty much all women came along, you know, some of them in the advertising world who were very good at organizing people and <clears throat> one was in Chicago, one was in New York and the same thing, they go, look, come to Chicago, we'll set it up, two days private, a couple of groups, you, we have a space you can work out of, the lady in New York, same thing. And so I did that <clears throat> a little bit. Next thing I know, there's, you know, of course, more more people than I can handle privately these groups starting to come together, demand in other cities. This went along for, you know, a few years, <clears throat> uh, being extremely busy in LA in particular, but traveling to New York, Chicago, then a few more cities. Um, <clears throat> and then we started getting close to 2001, which I was already taking groups of people to Sedona. Remember when I started that, but <clears throat> but I would take groups of people there for retreats. That was my favorite place to take people. And August Labor Day that 2001 was maybe the end of August. So, <clears throat> um, so I had about 30 people there, <clears throat> and we did this initiation in a cave. And when we were done, they all looked at me and said, "You have to train us to do this work." Really. Yeah, and I said, okay, I will. We'll start. <clears throat> we'll start in September. Then September 11th happened. I think we were going to start whatever the weekend was uh, around mm -hmm. there, and so we moved it back. Of course, after that, and I realized the timing of September 11th had some significance to it. That was also when it came in loud and clear that I had to really get started seriously writing The Reluctant Healer. So, you know, a lot of things kicked in, and that's when, from there, I was also about to lead a retreat in Costa Rica and some other places. So, so things certainly in there, the healer training classes began 2001. You know, there were already retreats going on. Um, you know, at a certain point after that, I started going teaching in Italy, and you know, <clears throat> it's kind of been such that there's offers to go teach about anywhere I want, and usually what 
where I end up going or places I'm curious about or that I want to travel to because <clears throat> I can't go everywhere. And then, I don't know, maybe about seven or eight years ago, started training <clears throat> some people to teach the first level class for mm -hmm. me. So um, there was a few people in the early stages, <clears throat> and now we have, you know, a few more who've come along. Aaron Telford, Danielle yeah. Herring, mm -hmm. Nathaniel mm -hmm. uh, Ship, and this girl Lily Pettit, and girl in Texas, Debbie Anderson. There's been a few more in and out. <clears throat> you know, if you're doing spiritual work, it's going to push you along in your life. You know, your life is going to evolve. <clears throat> and, you know, I don't, I don't make it a point to try to hold on to people. <clears throat> you know, I know some people evolve, they get married, they go, you know, their path may take a turn um, that, you know, something else calls. So, um, so anyway, that's kind of a long journey of it all. And, you know, it's got us to this point in time and, <clears throat> you know, certainly breath work, all this healing work is, has been expanding outward more and more the last five, six years, you know, kind of growing exponentially. So, it's because it, I feel like it shifts things so quickly. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Stephen Rayler on the mm -hmm. way home because I drove him home from, I try to drive him everywhere because okay. we're both in New Jersey and I love him. Mm -hmm. And um, we have really good talks in the car. Mm -hmm. So he had talked about Sarah Silverstein, who we did training with. Right. They, they did training together, some of them, right. and how she like basically moved and went all around the world and ended right. up in Bali. Bali. Stephen told me about his one-on-one, -on -one, which he shared in the podcast, and, and he was crying. Remember that? Yeah. Stephen was crying at the profound shift, mm -hmm. right? And and I won't talk about mine necessarily right now, right. but I had a major shift with you mm -hmm. the weekend, but especially in the one-on-one -on -one and then after right. that. And we were saying, like, what is it about breath work, mm -hmm. do you think? It got me off of Xanax. Like, it, right. it's, it's life-shifting like that, 28 mm -hmm. years of therapy. You know, Erin says, she said once in Sacred Train, therapy heals the mind, but what happens to the body? Right. So what do you think? Because it's it's really like everybody's life just like, boom. Right. Well, what I tell people who've been in therapy for 28 years or whatever, and, and for the longest time, people would say something like, yeah, one breathwork session's equivalent to 10 years of therapy. <clears throat> to me, it's not about negating the therapy. I mean, some of my best friends are therapists, <clears throat> and I do believe that some of the work they're doing is lining the dots up. Mm -hmm. And maybe with breathwork, we get the luxury of getting to thread the needle or string together some things that people from a timing place are really ready to confront, open up to, experience. And I think the <clears throat> profoundness and the depth of reality shifts that occurs because we can use, <clears throat> by using the breath to quiet the mind, we can make room for the spirit to really come in and, and direct the experience. And so, excuse me, that's what I would tell people for the first you know, so many years, I never even described 
what this work was about because because it was all word of mouth other people were describing it but what i've consistently said is you know this work is about an experience <clears throat> to me what most people are seeking in life is the experience of their spirit you know they're seeking to have that you know that profound um, sense of coming home but basically breathing the spirit into the body and into the heart and that's what's unforgettable when that when that happens we could call it a soul merge um, um, and that's not my term <clears throat> but it's what I've kind of realized for a lot of people happens when you raise your vibe when you slow the brain down enough to start to experience yourself as energy when your energy expands and accelerates enough for the spirit <clears throat> to come all the way into the body then there's that that resonance a lot of times that doesn't have to leave <clears throat> that can stay you know that can stay in the body um, and for some people, yeah, I mean, for me, the third, by the third time I'd done the breathing, the, the expansion of the vibration never left. <clears throat> so I'm, I've had to, you know, kind of re-imprint on the way I walk through life vibrating. Mm -hmm. I had to relearn how to go to sleep pulsing and vibrating because for the first you know, 10 days, two weeks, <clears throat> I didn't sleep. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this, and that happened in Sedona. So I was like, oh, it's Sedona, full moon. <laughs> I'm here. <clears throat> and when I leave Sedona, this is going to all just return to normal. It didn't. Mm. So I had to learn, okay, here's how I'm going to basically go to sleep vibrating. And I <clears throat> had this maybe my spirit showed it to me but kind of a way of letting the vibration form a cocoon and then my wife laughs at me she goes you can go to sleep in less than a minute she said i've never seen you mean lara lara no, yeah. yeah she's like yeah she doesn't <clears throat> get it because she's like you know it's so easy for you to go to sleep <laughs> and so but um are you so so to the vibration point and and mm -hmm. when you started in 2000 well you started before then right way so before before yeah. ruby right oh, way, yeah way before so yeah. ruby is your daughter your yeah. older daughter older daughter so mm -hmm. what i noticed for me and i'm wondering this for you and i also do want to talk about how you had your first clairaudient message with your father mm. um but if you're comfortable with that okay but um what i'm wondering is it was such a shift in my whole life like mm. everybody was like what just happened right mm. because what i found was when i started breath work i was on xanax at first so nothing really happened i was like mm. that's fun mm. you know and then i started forgetting it oh. forgetting to take it like mm. i was really getting comfortable and then similar to you um, my experience was on a mountain in Sedona. I had a spirit guide who came through, a Native American spirit guide. Fire, I was like held over the fire, dropped into the fire, reborn. Like mm. my son jumped off a cliff and, you know, was fine and showed me that he could. Right, go ahead. He's still here. He's yeah. Still, yeah. yeah. A couple more tattoos, right? right. <laughs> but so, um, <laughs> my baby. Um, but so, 
how did your life, as you were just dealing with being in your own body, feeling this mm-hmm. sensation of vibration, and I always say, you're not growing, you're going, you're growing in back to your soul before people gave you messages mm. that affected the way you move forward. Mm. So as you went back to that, you're feeling all of that. How did the people around you shift or was there no shift? Like, cause you're also in LA, mm. right? Like, I mean, LA is kind of that place where everything's just. Right. Uh, well, I noticed <clears throat> the more I connected <clears throat> to being alive, um, and kind of maybe finding a new excitement in my life <clears throat> that that helped, uh, you know, helped me suddenly start getting more work as an actor because <clears throat> I, I suddenly wasn't putting as much importance <clears throat> on getting the job. I was more, you know, living and, and more, again, like in the moment, I guess. And so... You know, it brought a different experience to <clears throat> to my life. It kind of re- reprioritized things, and um, um, you know, gradually <clears throat> I started to realize it was making me happier to live my life helping other people. And then when I started to write, <clears throat> it suddenly took care of the need to express. Mm. So. I realized that writing um, made me even happier than acting. And, um, you know, my, that friend Tim was like, always smiled and just said, do the healing work. It's going to open all the doors. And um, um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been able to understand the movie business and the entertainment business <clears throat> so much more deeply because I continue to work with a lot of people in that business and, um, you know, have watched people's careers come and go, but know that the healing work, you know, wants me as long as I want it, you mm-hmm. know, there's plenty to do there. I don't have to worry about, um, being supported. I don't have to worry about, um, you know, I mean, there's so much more to express in it, write about it, teach into it. And I'm, at this point, I'm still having fun. So, yeah. you know, maybe, as I say, the day that I stop having fun, then then I may go do something else. But at least at this point, there's still, you know, a lot of fun in it. And, you know, I know that however many lifetimes I've done it, <clears throat> I don't really have the answer to that or care. I just know that in this lifetime, it's what I was really put here to do. Yeah. So... We gotta make those trainings fun. Yeah, we're gonna bring we're gonna bring our A game in LA in two weeks. All right, <laughs> we are. Right. Yes. Um, so, yeah. so yeah. So when you talked about, um, I just totally lost my train of thoughts about the ego. So, oh, that's what I wanted to ask you. So what I find, mm. as I said, I mentioned getting off Xanax, which I didn't think I had a Xanax addiction mm. until like my doctor's like, I'm not doing this anymore, mm. and I was like trying to figure out where I was gonna get it. Mm. Um, I've heard your interview, you talked to somebody about eating and um, there's a lot of, and we talked, even you talked extensively about addiction and Mm. recovery and how this plays a role even in um, training, Mm. sexual abuse, all of those things. So did you have any shift with your, I don't know if you drank or if you ever did or if you drank coffee 
someone told me you eat meat. Like, I don't know. Did anything change? Like, cause someone said to me, <laughs> David's looking at my son, like, where's your mom going with this? Um, <clears throat> but someone said to me that when you feel like really like there's a lot of energy coming, you'll eat a steak. So I'm like, I think he's not vegetarian. Um, <clears throat> but do you find that that's ever something you think like I probably shouldn't have caffeine or, you know, well, I don't live with too many shoulds and coulds and guilts and whatnot. I let myself, you know, live. I let myself be human. Uh, I'm not worried about, you know, um, you know, there's, a, there are, we're, we're in a time where there's, you know, again, a lot of ideas marketed about here's a shortcut, here's a way to do this. You know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of these words like, you know, imposter syndrome or colonization or I don't know, whatever. <clears throat> to me, it's, uh, I always say, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. And I, I'm, you know, um, never trying to <clears throat> be something that I'm not. You know, as you know, in classes, I'll generally go ahead and swear a few times to make sure nobody's going to be putting me on any kind of idealistic pedestal. You might have elevated yourself when you said the <clears throat> F word. Yeah. <laughs> when you yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, I don't, um, you know, I, I have very close familial relationships with many indigenous cultures mm -hmm. and people who've accepted me into their families. Um, so, <clears throat> so, um, you know, um, uh, I definitely eat meat when I need it. I've done, you know, my sister's uh, is a nutritionist and RN nurse, does colon hydrotherapy. We've done every cleanse under the sun, every diet, <clears throat> you know, cleansing diet. And, you know, I was macrobiotic for a couple of years back before all this started. So I've kind of, at the in my older age, gotten to a point where I'm not so interested in ex mm -hmm. extremes. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to have the balance. You know, I'm not a, yeah, addiction's never been a big thing for me. I'm not um, going to usually be too interested in overdoing much of anything. I've certainly, you know, have done that more so maybe in my college days. but um, mm -hmm. But I don't have a problem if I want a beer, if I want a steak, or if I want, you know, a glass of wine, you know, the second one is never so interesting for me. <laughs> but I have noticed if I'm going through a really deep grieving cycle of a loss <clears throat> that, you know, I, I learn very quickly, oh, that's why the second glass of wine tastes so good, or why, why a second beer would be you know, seemingly as good as the first one because of some of those deeper feelings and then spirit used that to teach me, oh, this is how, you know, when people are in pain or, you know, something's going on deeper, how substance and yeah. things could become very enticing. So, you know, again, to me, it's all about the balance. Uh, I'm never, I've learned that being very rigid um, doesn't get me as far as just being relaxed. And uh, I mean, I never really 
necessarily love the taste of wine <clears throat> until I started teaching in Europe. And one time was teaching somewhere, I believe it was in Spain, in Catalonia somewhere. And there was just, <clears throat> you know, some table wine sitting out for lunch. And it was like one of those E.F. Hutton moments. That <laughs> people were talking about the local foods and the things. And here was the table wine that had these particular flavors in it <clears throat> and did we want wine for lunch and I only had an hour scheduled as usual for lunch and <clears throat> everybody was looking at me and I was like oh this is why the Europeans want their siesta <clears throat> um, so I was like okay you know be back it was take two two hours for lunch you can have one glass of wine but for some reason I took a taste of the wine and it did something to my taste buds and I was like, oh, there, there's everything that person said, I can taste it all. So I was like, oh, that's that's why people drink wine. Mm. Um, and, you know, for a while there, I certainly, every time I especially was in Italy or Spain, I liked <clears throat> the taste of their wines a little more, you know, than what I do, uh, maybe just the table wines. Um, um, but anyway it's it, to me it's I, I don't um it's the same way with people that like to use you know plant medicines for leaps mm. and i always you know am never so <clears throat> encouraging to use anything that mm. is a is something that causes us to jump too far make us feel too much of anything so i encourage people more than anything else to use the breath yeah. you know it's relatively free you can do it on your own there's a lot of support tools that you can use the breath on your own um, and uh, <clears throat> you know a lot of support tools that we have available um, so that's usually what I encourage people to do yeah. is just have a practice at home on your own and then when you come to a workshop or a retreat or a training, then you can really gain some deeper understandings and maybe mine a little deeper into some things. But the, the homework of having a spiritual practice, you know, in your own time and, and choosing to move your energy and choosing to alter you know, some place that might feel <clears throat> stuck or persistent or a loop that you're caught in and choosing to, you know, move that with the breath. I, I always, that's what I encourage people to do. So, yeah, I like, the, I feel like the more you practice breath work, mm -hmm. you trust your body more and you trust the process more, you can drop in deeper and really have a more profound experience the more you're accustomed. Mm -hmm. Do you breathe every day? Well, my, my experience with the breath is probably <clears throat> vastly different than than everybody else's. <clears throat> you know, to me, breath, breath work, it's a tool. So it's a tool to help you become conscious, awake, aware. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, I believe if you can turn your, you know, be, tune into your energy, move it, you know, direct it where you would want to, you know, the tool of the breath work may not be quite as important 
as <clears throat> someone who do doesn't have that awareness. So, so for me, it's <clears throat> evolved pretty quickly from that time in Sedona. Now, if I do, I mean, literally, I think the word energy and yeah. it turns on yeah. or I say vibration and the energy starts moving really like I've been doing 15, 20 minutes of breathing. Um, so so uh, my experience and my use of, of breath work is different yeah. than a lot of people's might be. I totally see that because like when you talked about having a beer, I was like, if I saw you having a beer and a steak, I might fall over. Mm. Like, um, and I'm totally fanning out and I'm fine with that because right. everybody knows that like, when, before I met you, mm. after I did Healer Training 1, I was doing Secret Training, Aaron talked about David, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel meeting this guy. And we pulled, mm. my husband and I pulled up and I saw, I was like, there he is. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. um, and and you're, I don't think you're elevating yourself at all. You're not putting yourself in the, like I love mm. that you sit at the same level as everybody. But mm. what I think, but I think you can't really, you can't make the choice for other people to how we're going to view you. And you're so... There's so much love in you, and, and you're so grounded and steady, and, like, it was just, I feel, like I said to my son, like, I want to just, like, curl up in your, like, you're the father mm -hmm. that I wanted to have, or, you know, whatever. Like, it's, there's, this, there's this really amazing sense of being safe around you right. that you can't, you know, you can, I know you just, you feel like you're just David, right? right. But we don't. You don't, you don't feel like, it's just like, there's like this, I don't even know how to explain it. When mm. I've ever people say like, what do you think of David? I say, you just wait till you meet him. Like, mm. wait till you meet him because there's just something, like that's why I was going to ask mm. you about grounding, but I don't even know if that's, like I don't, I feel like you're living grounded. You're living attached, you know, connected to spirit. Right. Um, do you ever feel like there's a time where it's like, you feel sort of jarred and you, yeah. you know, and. Well, I just can't imagine it. Well, I mean, I don't, hey, I'm in a human suit just like everybody mm. else. But, you know, I can bump into things. Now, it's different. I'm not going to toot my own horn and say I certainly don't have human experiences with things. You know, you can ask my wife about it, and she probably can give you a long list of things <laughs> that we can bump into. But, you know, the meditation of life for me is... Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Am I having fun? Am I celebrating life? Am I, you know, smelling the roses as I go along? Um, and, you know, am, am I checking in to really, um, you know, have it be as enjoyable as it can be? So, you know, prior to coming to the East Coast, um, you know, I, I, there were parts of me that were like, whew, you know, and then we came down with a little, my daughter came down with a head cold <laughs> and I managed to catch it. Mm -hmm. Now my Laura has it. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, it was like, this might not be easy. Um, but where I go to before investing too much into that, I'm like, well, it may not be easy, but I'm going to be supported. I always am. It's going to work out. I don't need to control this. Let me just put my faith into trusting that everything's going to be fine. And, the, and the, I, that's, that's what I do. I'll go to that. I'll make a choice to go to that place 
and let it overpower any discomfort. Um, so, it, you know, going to places where I have some support, um, you know, the next place I go to teach at is my first time there. Mm. Um, and, and the point person who I originally agreed to <clears throat> go to this place and teach at left a short time after I signed on to do that. So that kind of, uh, that was my comfort zone that yeah. this person was going to be my contact and kind of handle everything for me. So that created a little ripple in my, you know, faith or my comfort zone. And so, you know, and, and they've, um, you know, there's been people contact me and let me know. There's been two more changes with no. people since then, which mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, boy, there's a lot of changing going on with this organization. <clears throat> but then I just had to, I put, I put a little more personal energy into it um, just to say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do my part and then I'm going to let it all go and just let it, let the experience be what it's going to be. Yeah. And I'm at the place now where I know, um, just like when I fly into JFK and <clears throat> head to Maha Rose the first night mm. and know, okay, there's going to be a room full of people. Uh, it's going to be show, show time soon, which means, hey, you know, going to have to, um, for me, it's never about questioning is spirit going to show up or people mm. going to have a good experience experience is going to be a good thing i always you know um maybe would um just hit against um how do i feel how's this head code doing um you know how's it gonna how's it gonna feel in the space um and that and that's just the whole spiritual journey of uh, what's going to happen in the work especially maybe with new people which again you know i trust i i it's never a question of is it going to happen are people going to have a good experience it's just a question of how it's going to all unfold and so um, again going to a place where i have <clears throat> you know not worked before there's you know another 10 percent 20 percent of the unknown there that you know my ego can want to grapple with a little bit um and you know it's like today tomorrow most of the day i'll just be on coast or um uh, idle and then i know tomorrow night after dinner we kick back in do some work and then i have a rough sketch you know in my <clears throat> mind about how Saturday's going to go, but it's not exactly locked into an exact step-by-step, -step, maybe something as specific as a training, because I'm going to let it formulate around the people that are there. Mm -hmm. And then I know Sunday morning, you know, we'll have our last experience, and then basically I head to the airport to fly back west, and um, so... How does that all, like, I get tired traveling, like, um, I did the training last mm -hmm. weekend, 
Right. Through, you know, the Tuesday, basically. Right. And I'm in L.A. I land, I take the red eye, and then I see Melody Solomon mm-hmm. <laughs> that day. Mm-hmm. And I know once that, once I'm done with that, it's like deep exhale, right? Like, then right. I have my space. Um, I do a lot of immune boosting. And right. I'm also trying to do a lot of, like, making sure my energy vibration is so big that nothing can come in. Right. Um, do you do anything specific outside of just be connecting sure. to spirit and trusting? Yeah. So like I said, we've kind of studied, been doing cleanses, you know, know that <clears throat> my wife's an acupuncturist, you know, and has studied a lot of different modalities too. Um, <clears throat> so we have a lot of tools, you know, usually, um, an experience with a cold moves through pretty fast. This one has been a little more challenging in that it settled into the chest a little bit. So there's been some extra coughing and mm. whatnot, which has influenced sleep um, mm. a little bit too. We've, um, yeah, been staying in some different places. So all of that does um, lend itself that, you know, for me, I have to stay on top of wanting to, you know, make sure that I feel rested, that I'm not burned out. And yeah, yeah, from Friday night till through Tuesday night, I've been going nonstop. So fortunately, I've had a lot of experience working this way. And that's kind of the basis of what I teach in, in that, you know, I'm not using my personal energy to do the work. I'm using my uh, connection and awareness <clears throat> to myself and access to universal energy, which means I'm going to be connecting in my heart, trying to be in a place of self-love, being in an experience of, you know, awareness with people as I work with them, awareness with the group as I work with it, and then be riding that place of having fun as, you know, a lot of the main vehicle carrying me through, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm doing so that I'm not, so if I was frustrated, if I was irritated, I, it would be costing me a lot more personal energy because I would be struggling with something. And, and so a cold can present itself to that, but my <clears throat> choice is to use the healing work, you know, and I think I said mm. in the training, yeah, yeah, about the time I finish up here, <clears throat> you know, I'll probably be feeling 100%, hopefully sooner than later, Yeah. but then I know I go head back to L.A., turn around twice and I'm teaching again next weekend. So much. So Yeah. Um, I'm watching the time. Yeah. So I'm almost in an hour. I want okay. to respect your time, especially since you're doing so much. I just have a really okay. uh, crazy question. Not crazy. I have a, a question that's been like burning for me, mm. um, which won't surprise you at all. Okay. And then I'm going to ask you to show me your sense of humor. But no. so, um, so the first thing is... Do you, like, I didn't hug you when I left Tuesday on purpose because, oh. like, I know you had a line of people waiting. Everyone wants David, mm. right? Like, we all want to just come home with you and sit on the couch for mm. seven or ten months. Mm. So when you feel, like, as at, from from the activation point of you saying, yes, we can do this interview, I was, like, I was really trying hard not to, like, really mm. throw it at you, but mm. I was completely, like, connecting to you, and I was, like, I hope... I'm not pushing on his energy, mm. you know, 
Um, I, and I don't need to know because I don't. Right. <laughs> but wait, do you feel if do you feel people pushing on your energy or pulling on your energy in groups or one on ones or after like when you said your dog would like your dog mm-hmm. who passed would intercept that psychic energy for you right. in sleep? Do you feel that? And if you do, what do you do to maintain your sense of privacy and and your own? Yeah, I mean, um, if I feel it and it isn't the right time or it's not, you know, boundary the right way, then I'll usually, as soon as I feel it, I'll say, no, no, you know, not not here, not now. Like, you know, you got to you got to work that out. You got to approach the right way to get something some you know reflection or whatever you want so i'm doing that on the psychic plane with people if Mm -hmm. i need to um you know things that i've learned over the course of close to 30 years is how to do that pretty instantly and not um being bombarded with that and and yeah that's something that my dog was doing for me you know early on because i didn't have the awareness with it so much um but um yeah you know it's it's a it's a sensation if i feel a person coming into my space you know i'll usually hear their name right as their energy comes in Mm -hmm. and i'll feel what they're grappling with what they're wanting if it comes into my space a couple times so last night when I emailed you, I received a communication from you. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, sure. are we gonna do this? And and I realized that, yeah, it would be fine to do it, and I was okay with that. Thank and, you. Um, and it was, you know, a few minutes before, I mean, literally, whatever time the email went through with me, it was a pretty clear, email from you but it you know was a psychic one. Oh, thank you yeah. it was coming yeah. and i like i said i was like i really respect you probably right. more than most people in the world right i mean um aside from the fact that the practice has changed my life and aaron telford who was my teacher yeah. for healer training one is amazing yeah. um the reverence that i have for you i can't even I can't even put words to. And so this is like such a huge honor. I really appreciate that. And I was wondering about this. Like you were saying in training. So we, I was in training with David this weekend and I told you, right? <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. You're using right. the Jedi mind trick, but it's a, it's a great, it's a great understanding, right? Like how do we block people energetically? So um, again, Marcus, respecting your space because I could spend the whole day here with you yeah. and I would just order food in. Um, yeah. So you have a great sense of humor. And I think sometimes at the beginning or at certain points, we try not to laugh in training because we're like, this is David Elliott. This is like healer training four, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, this is serious stuff. Yeah. Um, can you, and, I, and and just for the listeners, I had mentioned going back to your Claire audience. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, we don't have time for that. Definitely read his books. They're amazing books to read. The Reluctant Healer and Healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll read all about it. It's very interesting. I've shared that story with a lot of people. Um, can you just tell me anything funny that happened in your life that was really something that stuck with you, whether it was with breathwork or with Claire or with travel, like some moment that you remember that you're like, oh shit, that was funny. No, no. <laughs> no pressure or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Um, 
Let's see if anything pops in here. I mean, <clears throat> for me, a lot of things are funny. You know, I mean, we're... Is this funny? Thank, thank God. <laughs> well, I figure what we're doing here is a service for mm. some of your friends and listeners and anybody else that wants to lean in, mm. you know... I talk you know, about you a lot. It's nice for them yeah, to hear you. I mean, you know, all the years of training as an actor basically made it where this stuff is, you know, pretty second nature for me. It's not like I need to be interviewed or need to be. No, you don't. But, but, um, but I think it also gives, you know, people, you know, uh, uh, you know it's a resource and gives people some access and, um, you know, Again, as you mentioned, and as I talk about, I I never, you know, thank God, um, probably from that reluctant place, there's not a, a big need in me to be recognized. And I have to encourage uh, some of my students, <clears throat> you know, encourage them in a good way that the part of maybe them that wants to be really recognized and maybe even on some level a little bit famous, I'm always like, be careful with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I've had a lot of actor friends who have become well-known and, you know, it's a big cost. Um, you know, it, uh, fame and recognition isn't always what it... Uh, seems to be and um, um, to me it's like you know are you happy doing what you're doing you know would you do it um, you know all the time and not ha you know like the exchange part of it if you're happy enough doing it and you feel enough reward doing it then the, the money or the exchange part of it's going to take care of itself so just the way the whole thing spins, the way it all works out, you know, to me is very synchronistic. It has lots of humor in it. The universe knows <laughs> that it gets my attention when it presents funny scenarios to me. I think it's my job to always keep acknowledging to the universe, you know, what a good sense of humor it has. <laughs> you know, when I talk about in the trainings, you know, like I mentioned, um, you know, like with the couples exercise that we teach you in the level one class. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I was going through a divorce, my only divorce, you know, my phone was ringing off the hook with people wanting couple sessions. And I'm thinking that, you know, my ego was wanting me to believe the failure in my life that the healing work was going to dry up and this would be it <clears throat> and I'm suddenly seeing the opposite yeah. that people didn't really care about <laughs> me getting a divorce as a matter of fact <laughs> I've you know changed my sessions from being 55 minutes to an hour and 10 minutes thinking I would need to explain to people a little bit about what happened. And I'm, I'm telling you, to a person, you know, I'd say, oh, I guess you might have heard I'm going through a divorce. And they, and they look, both people would look at me, oh, 
Sorry. <laughs> now, uh, let me tell you about what's happening with us, you know. <laughs> and it was like, I, I mean, it was very surreal, but I had to get that the universe has a really good sense of humor. It was showing me something um, and that I had to get past myself to realize, you know, and, and to me this is what I've learned and why we use artistic express, expression so much in all the healing work. Art is a vehicle. Everybody transposes and puts themselves into art. So the artist can think it's so, you know, much their own personal private story and it's like no the more private it is the more people can plug themselves into it and be carried and they don't really give a shit about you you know <laughs> i mean they can that's that's squeezed in the <laughs> shit there but you did it um, <laughs> you know they it's like yeah oh yeah your story oh, but most of the time pe what people say is i think you wrote your book for me it's my story, you know, I, God, I can really identify with your story. And so, you know, that's human nature. That's the thing over time we realize as humans, human beings are very self-centered. That doesn't mean it's bad, it's that, but our, our view, our experience of life is coming through us, our circumstances, our story. We can use other people's stories to accelerate our understanding, therefore we get art. That's why I feel like it's so important for <clears throat> healers to share their story, to yeah. write, to share their music. And some of the other days, like, oh my God, at one of your trainings, I heard I have to start singing again. And I'm like, yeah. And this person's doing a lot more singing. <clears throat> and I said, yeah. And, and in your breathwork groups that you're doing a lot more of now, try singing some songs wow. to your people. And I'm like, that can be your own unique thing that not everybody else is doing, you know? So art is a direct path. It takes us on the same journey. And to me, it's a, it's a major component, almost as powerful, and in some instances, more powerful than the breath work. Wow. So, oh yeah. Wow. You know, John's an artist. Mm. Can you see that? Yeah, see it all over. <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. I still, I still want um, to talk more. So yes. we have a lifetime. I said to you the yeah. other day of, of work together. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who want to find out more, davidelliot.com. It's d a v i d e l l i o t t dot com. I'll put in um, his Instagram though. He's he just said he's not like super into it. I love looking at his Instagram. It's, is it David Elliot ten underscore? Yeah. So yeah. The, the first time here, I'll tell you the story of that because uh, recently. A couple of people said, why is it David Elliott 10? I go, well, <laughs> I, in, in high school and basketball, I wore number 10. And um, so, and, and that for basketball people, because I was also talking to a guy um, in, in Brooklyn, a private session who's new, you know, born and raised in New York. And I'm like, well, the 10 actually came from Clyde, Frazier, Clyde the Glide, who was a famous guard for the Knicks back in the 70s. 
and he's now one of the announcers for the Knicks. He always wore number 10, and I loved how he shot the ball. <laughs> so anyway, this is the, the because some the person who asked me about it the other day, I was like, well, David Elliott, 10, 10 is my basketball number. So oh, that's cool. Now you know it's first time it's ever been revealed. Woo. Not that it needs to be a secret, no. that, but no. that's where it comes from. Well, it's not a secret now. It's not a secret now. And I just thought you were going to say there were nine before you who got on Instagram. Like, oh. right? like you know, like, David, sorry, David Elliott's taken. Sorry, David <laughs> Elliott, one is taken. No, <laughs> David Elliott is like, you know, John Doe. So yeah. there's a lot of David Elliott. So yes, David Elliott was taken. So David Elliott, 10. It was trying to get me to be David Elliott, 101. I was like, no, no, let's try David Elliott 10. So dial it back. Yes. <laughs> so y'all have everything below. Um, and I, I just want to say again, like with the deepest gratitude, yes. this is right. And yes. that my son gets to be here for this is mm-hmm. so again, for those of you who are listening, I'll have all the links below for his books, his trainings, definitely look for his trainings. And if you're interested, get in on them. Even if you don't want to be a breath killer, I feel like there's so much just about growing your own, um, your own practice and your own understanding of yourself. And when trainings are done, they're not done. We just get to do them over and get a deeper sense of knowledge. And I'm going to ask you um, to just consider coming back to New York. Yeah. I love having you here. I know yeah. it's tough coming into the energy of the city, right. but we love you. And so, um, so yeah, so thank you so much. It's so beautiful up here, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your time. See you in two weeks. All right. A week. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Access and Expand the Conversations with Tiffany Karen. If you like this, please go ahead and share the link.